You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. My pinky up. Welcome. Can we turn the house lights up all the way, please? Um, I like to see people. Yeah. Oh, there's people. Oh, I'll tell you more about that in a second. No, I'll tell you now. Um, we had so much fun. Did you, get, did you get to put those in? I'll show you a picture where we stayed. It's really cool. Go ahead and uh, put that castle up if you got it. Yeah. Isn't that pretty? We were uh, second floor on the back of the castle somewhere. And uh, so we had fun. We went to this conference called Kingmakers by Bill and Tracy Vanderbush, partnered with another couple that you'll get to know soon. And uh, it was supposed to originally have been in Scotland, but uh, with COVID, getting in and out for so long didn't work, so they had to replant it here. This was in right outside. It was in Colorado Springs in the mountains right next to the Garden of the Gods, if you ever know where that is. It's pretty amazing. Um, I got a fun picture of Bill. I thought, you know, you guys would appreciate that. <laughs> Me and Bill trying to look cool. Yes, we had a real harp player in the background. It was legit. And, and, like, there was a ball with a guy walking around playing a harp. It was pretty cool. Do we have another one or no? Uh, yeah, one more. Oh, that was Bill. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's the uh, first edition of the King James ever released. Um, no, apparently it's the 400 edition of the King James ever released. Funny story about that. Bill is, you know, if you guys, you guys know Bill, he's a joker. Um, and so this, this, this campus was actually Christian owned, but rather um, a little on the religious side. And um, so Bill was teasing around. He's like, so do you guys read NIV or anything like that? And the person was like, we only read King James. And Bill goes, so does that mean the Passion Translation's out? And uh, <laughs> the great thing is they didn't know what it was. So, um, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Bill, you're a, you're, a, you're a stinker. That's pretty much where we stayed, actually. I don't know what that picture is, but it felt like that. But it was a little more red than that. So, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was such a fun weekend. Met so many new people. Met a couple that we'll be bringing in. Um, no joke, his name is Jim Baker, and he has an amazing message on money. But it's not the Jim Baker. I, <laughs> as he, He's the funniest guy you'll ever be, meet, and he says, I'm Jim Baker, no K, and without the Tammy Faye. That's how he introduces himself. <laughs> so um, uh, he is... <laughs> he, he is. There are funny preachers, and there are comedians that are preachers. This guy is a comedian that is a, an amazing preacher. They have, they, he preaches pastors of church in Ohio. They've, I, think, I think, don't hold me to this, I think they said they've raised 17 from people from the dead now. And um, I'll ask him to, I'll get clear numbers on that. And um, they've had so many people, I mean, raised out of wheelchairs, all of that. And then God began to tell him, if you could just get an understanding on my provision, you would begin to see that come to life too. And so he really went after the Lord and, and on this, and I won't take much time on this, but uh, he, he did some, just a nugget of one of his teachings, and it'll be my offering thing. How about that? He said, uh, you know, often we'll use the, the passage from Malachi about, you know, if you give to the Lord, and it's, it's referring to tithe, and if you give to the Lord, it says he'll open up the windows and pour down rain from heaven and pour it down on your crops and all that. Um, and... Uh, but Jim made an interesting point. He said, most of us pray for the crops. We don't understand that there's a responsibility to plant the crops, and as we get, God just rains down on them. 
He said, but every time we sit in an offering, someone just tells you to pray for the crops. That's not actually biblical. Yeah, you got quiet. <laughs> Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your possessions. What's that mean? There's a partnership, and how you honor things has to do with what he does. And so um, he has probably one of the most challenging but freeing messages on finances I've ever heard before in my life. And so um, we'll be bringing him in at some point, a couple other people that we, we got to hang out with that were just really neat. I'll tell you one more funny story. I'm super flexible this morning. We got some announcements to make, but uh, we were doing this prophetic activation. You'll find this funny. And uh, <laughs> this lady got up there, and she's Mary Baker, and she got up there and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a piece of paper. I'm going to give you a piece of paper, and um, she said, your first thing you're going to write down is your realm of influence. If you know me, I'm pretty much a homeboy. I'm pretty happy at home, and the Lord's like gave me nations. And I was yeah, well, I was like, nah. Um, I was like, I mean, I'm good. Like, Lord, I mean, if you want to do it, I'm good. So here's the funny story. I still have the paper in my hands. I wrote it. I circled it. Then I scratched it out. Um, I'm, here's It gets funny. So it was like, ask the Lord this. Ask, I started writing these things down. I'm like, this is the weirdest. This doesn't even feel right. And um, so we're sitting at tables, round tables. The guy next to me, his name is Don Wallab something. Wallabaugh. Wallabaugh, yeah. He is the pastor who raised up um, Todd White and then also um, Don, um, Dan Moeller. They both came from his ministry. Super nice guy. And... Um, He's in the process of transitioning out of pastoring. And so I wrote all these things down. I'm like scratching things. I'm like feeling like I have two different things talking to me here. So anyways, we go around the table. I share what I, I share kind of what I thought I wanted. And then we get to the end, and Don shares all of the things that I had crossed out. He shared. I think I call it secondhand prophetic picking up. I was literally like hearing and feeling what the Lord was telling him sitting next to him, and I was writing it down. And so that's important with discernment. Just because you feel like it's the Lord saying, it doesn't always mean it's for you. Good word right there. Sometimes you may just be next to somebody else that the Lord's speaking to, and if you're prophetically sensitive, you actually can be picking it up too. It's important to have discernment to know if it's God or not. That's a free sermon right there, guys. And I'm not lying. I was scratching things off. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't feel that. And as soon as he opened his mouth, he said, I just feel like God's actually leading me to the nations now. I'm like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Don, this is your word. Take it. Just, just take it, man. It's, this is for you. And uh, the funny thing was, then a lot of the things that I didn't share, this is so neat. He came up to me the last night of the conference at the ball, and he said, I, I just feel like he's a real, he's an elderly man uh, and very, very kind, very sensitive. He said, I just feel like I need to pray for you. And he began to call out all the things that God gave me for my piece of paper. He said, I just, I just feel like you're going to be, you know, all this stuff on the finished work of the cross and on identity and all the things. I'm like, oh, thank God. I thought I was just hoping for that. I'm like, that, so that is you, Lord. So um, anyways, if the Lord wants to send me the nations, I will always go, but it's not time. It's not time. And he's going to have to also open my palate to eat more food because I will be very miserable. So signs, wonders, and miracles. Well, um, I have an announcement um, to make that's kind of bittersweet this morning, but um, it is a good thing. And so we're in a season right now. Matter of fact, Josh Frost came through. Oh, yeah, I didn't do offering. Well, now we're already moving. We'll come back. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm all messed up now. I should do the offering. Come on up. 
I actually do the offering. Come on up. I know I just left you hanging. I'm not leaving, by the way. Um, but I'm moving into a castle. I had decided to buy it. Come on up. <laughs> so, I thought I'd come back one more week and let you know. No. It is pretty there. First day we got there, it was 52 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I, bought, I brought a hoodie. <laughs> And uh, so, well, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. We pray over this offering right now, Lord, that not only would you, Lord, um, would you take what we give to you and would you bless it, Father, but would you also give us the wisdom how, of how to better steward what we have? Because we know that you say that if we can't bless you with little, we couldn't possibly bless you with more. And so, God, this is always our opportunity to show how well we steward what we have. Every Sunday, we have an opportunity to make a sacrifice in multiple areas. We have it every day, actually, but this is one of them. But we get to show you that we trust you with our money. And, and we also just want to release it into your kingdom and bless what you're doing. So in Jesus' name, bless those that give. Amen. Yeah, pass the baskets. You can text to that number if you'd like to give with a card. And now I will begin to share that announcement. Um, some of our dear friends, um, Jordan and Ashley, are going to be transitioning out of the gate. And um, this is not a, it's a sad thing, but it's not a bad thing. Um, sometimes there's, some of them we don't always get to announce because <laughs> they're not the greatest transitions. Um, <laughs> it's the nicest way I can say it. <laughs> they're not always great. Um, this one's been an interesting transition that's been coming for time, and I'm going to give him a moment to share uh, here in a second what he's transitioning into. But um, I was thinking about this this morning, just of, how um, end of last year you started feeling transition. And, um, and we worked through a number of things that just didn't feel like they were the Lord. And I, I believe that they have been here for a season that has been such a blessing to us. Um, if you don't know who Jordan and Ashley are, they had come when we first launched the church, and then for a time they went to Raleigh, but then they came back. And uh, he, they stewarded... Um, youth and young adults and then labs as well as we, we were just getting them going but has been doing that and uh, I believe that the Lord I've really been praying about it and I don't want to speak on behalf of you certainly but I feel like the Lord has been able to do some healing in your hearts while you've been here and if we could do anything but have been a place for healing and then also in some ways I felt like the Lord said you were in a healthy way a placeholder to make sure that they stayed before the opportunity came because it could have been a different opportunity you stepped into. Imagine if you got in that call afterwards. And, um, and so they were, they were gracious. And um, into last year when they started feeling transition, they were very open with me. And we talked about it. And, and, and there was a conversation. And so this morning, I want to let him share just briefly what they're stepping into. But then we're going to pray and bless them. But as Jordan and Ashley come up, can we honor them this morning? I love you. Yeah. You can sit down. There we go. Um, so, um, where do I start? Um, church planting has always been on my heart, and um, it's something that I've always felt drawn to um, ever since I was a young kid. And um, it's always something that we knew that we'd be doing at some point um, and um, started praying about um, 
opportunities to be trained in that and what that would look like. A um, couple months ago, back in December, I applied to a program um, with the Vineyard Movement and um, found out a couple months ago that I actually got accepted into the program. Out of several hundred applicants, I was selected in the top five to be in the program. Um, and so it's a church planter and pastoral residency program. It's about 18 months to two-year program in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and so Ashley and I, on July 18th, will be moving to Columbus, Ohio um, to participate in this church planting and pastoral residency program. And so uh, there's a couple other things that will happen with that once we get to the end of that program. There's a couple of different, uh, I guess, avenues that can be taken with either pastoring in the vineyard movement or planting a church or staying on staff at the church there in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, but anyone who knows me knows my love for the Vineyard Movement and John Wimber and, and all this stuff. So it's a dream come true, um, and we're really excited. That's good. Thanks. And the same thing? You good? You good? I'm, I'm excited. When, they, when he, um, we sat down and talked about this, I um, felt the Lord was on it. And so I don't want to, um, I'm honest. I would say that if I didn't mean it, um, I really wouldn't. I do feel the Lord is on this. I do feel it's a good opportunity for him to be trained up and to be in a great atmosphere of a reputable ministry that's been around for many, many years. Um, Jordan's always had a passion for John Wimber and the revival and the reformers, the, the Lonnie Frisbees. And we should get him a Frisbee with a picture of Lonnie Frisbee on it before before they move. Just, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just throw it around. Um, anyways, uh, so when I, when I heard it, although it was like, oh, man, that's really soon, we understood there's a, there's a time frame on this. And so we'll talk about where certain things will go at another date. But today we want to celebrate and honor them for what they've done and bless them. So I'm going to ask my leadership team that's here this morning to come up with me. Um, and I know you guys have up and down so many times, but if you could stand up for just one more moment and extend your hands towards them. I'd really appreciate this as we bless them. We love them. They are truly uh, a son and a daughter of this house and in my heart. And so it's, it is sad to say goodbye, but it's exciting to see where the Lord's taking them. So, Father, we just thank you so much for this couple. God, we thank you for what you've done in their life. We thank you what you have blessed us through them. Lord, they don't just carry gifts. They are a gift. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that... This season that you're bringing Jordan into, I have such confidence, and it's going to be such a powerful season of equipping and training that will never leave him. I pray that, Father, as they move, the transition with their home would be just so easy. I mean, even the, I mean, if I'm correct, I think the, your, the day your lease expired was like the day before or day after your move. Yeah, it was crazy stuff like that. Like their lease was almost the exact date of the, when they had to be there for the program. And so, Lord, you've already gone before them, and some of these things, you've already had your hand on it. So I ask that you would just continue to bless the process, bless the transition, the move there. And I ask, Lord, um, for both of them, but Ashley especially, Lord, establish her in firm community. Lord, in this season that she, uh, even though we thankfully can stay in touch remotely, but God, I pray that you would surround her with a community that she feels celebrated and loved and that she feels like she has a part in, Lord. Father, I thank you for their love. I thank you for the desire to see the kingdom of God advanced. And I pray that, Lord, that you would just reveal to them just more of who you are through this season so that they can be a better conduit to reveal to others who you are. So, Father, we send them. 
We bless them, and we ask that you would go before them. We know you will, and that this would be a huge change in not just a chapter. Honestly, it's a new book for them. And so, Lord, that they would get to step into this new storyline. We love them. We bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. lot of time. This would probably be part one, part two kind of deal. But this morning, I want to talk to you a few minutes about, um, I just want to encourage you. Um, I really want to encourage you in who you are, your identity in Christ. I think that one of the things, I think if we could take and put a, put a title over the whole New Testament, New Covenant, I think it would be like the overwhelming title would be Identity. It was a change of identity. And um, I, I heard a statistic not too long ago, and then I went and I actually did, I wanted to do some research on my own and make sure it was true. And, and unfortunately, it was true that out of religious groups, one of the religious groups with the lowest self-esteem is Christianity. What a terrible thing. What of the... One of the lowest, if not many of them said the lowest self-esteem group of people is Christianity. It seems to me that we're, there may be something we're missing. Because I think that we're invited into such an amazing kingdom. We're invited into such a place of, I mean, that was the whole point of this conference we just went to this past uh, week was the kingmakers. Not only are we kings and priests, but we're also called to raise up other kings and priests. And we are royalty, and, and royalty, you know, they're not, they're not people that go around hanging their heads. And I think there's something that we may be seeing wrong, and the first thing we need to understand is often to, to receive a, a breakthrough in self-esteem is really rooted into tapping into who you already are. If you have this idea that I have to do something to become something, you're, you're really trapped. This is really important. This is something that the enemy has been doing from the beginning with, with sons and daughters of God, is bringing the idea that you have to do something to become something. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But there's a scripture, and you can write it down. I'm not going to flip to this one, but it's in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It talks about that you behold what you become. How many of you know that sounds pretty easy? It's not a trick question. I know life throws curveballs, but the Lord has said this, look at me, become like me. He's really set it up that we can just look at him and become like him. Let me put it another way. Um, trying to become a good Christian isn't difficult. It's impossible. <laughs> the idea that I can become a better Christian, that I can do something to become a better Christian is not even possible. Because that would be to say that he forgot to do something on the cross. But thankfully, I'm here, and I can do it. 
so he said, it's finished. He said, it's good. You're done. You, you, I've done everything I'm going to do about this. And so there's nothing that I can bring to the table that will make me a better Christian. There are other things that we can do that we're going to talk about here in a minute that can make us more aware of who we are. But it can't make you more than who you are because in him, you're already more than a conqueror. I love the scripture more than a conqueror. Some of us would be really happy with just being a conqueror. I mean, how, how great would it be if he's like, every single thing you're going to face in life, you're going to conquer. That's a conqueror. That sounds amazing. But he took it a step beyond that. That's good. You'll actually be more than that. What's more than a conqueror? It's a son and a daughter. This idea that I have to do something, we saw it introduced, it was when the curse was introduced. We saw it with Adam and Eve, and we know the story of how Eve thought, I need to do something. The, the, the serpent came to Eve and said, well, if you want to be like God, you need to eat from that tree. And the problem was that it wasn't actually, obviously the tree was off limits, but the real problem wasn't, the fruit was that she uh, ate from the tree. That was the manifestation the issue in her heart was that the enemy convinced her she had to do something to be like God when God created her and said, I already created you in my own image. And we're still creating whole doctrines and theologies and writing books and everything else of how to be a better Christian. When you had thought we would have learned all the way back at the beginning when the curse was introduced, why did it come in? Because she thought that she had to do something that was already a gift by grace. And she thought it had to be obtained by works. I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, I was up in this conference in Colorado, and I was listening to a speaker, and it, it just it hit me. Um, <laughs> it was this reality in Ephesians. Uh, I can't remember where it is. Uh, it's Ephesians, I think, 3. Somewhere in Ephesians 3, it talks about that, um, that angels watch us. I think I might just read this one. I got the right scripture. Ephesians, let me just read this one to you because there's, some, there's something to this. Ephesians chapter um, 3, verse um, 7 says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Everybody say grace. Which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for anyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, everybody say church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This is wild. We're supposed to be, through the body of Christ, teaching something to rulers and authorities in the heavens. Now, I was thinking about this. What is it that we could teach them that they don't get from God? Like, right? Like, what is it that, how, how do I say this differently? What is it that I can teach that an angel or an authority in heaven could watch me and learn that they can't learn just being around God? And it hit me. There's two things for sure that they can only learn from you and me. It's mercy and grace. They're created beings. They don't need mercy and grace, and God doesn't need mercy and grace. The only people that need it and experience mercy and grace is us. What a thought that they're in heaven saying, have you seen this? 
Is that the same person that used to be at that club? Look at him now. And these angels are watching you, Sam. This, this scripture that's saying that the manifold wisdom, what does that mean? That one of the ways we are actually an expression. Let me say it this way. The mercy and grace that is active in our life is actually an expression of the wisdom of God to the heavens. <laughs> this, you got to hear that again. <laughs> the mercy and grace that we get to walk in is an expression of the wisdom of God for all of the heavens and authorities to see. They're looking at saying, wow, God is wise. But it's actually contrary to the whole thing that when we come, the angels are not watching us saying, man, they're a hard worker. Aren't they cute <laughs> trying to do this on their own? And here we are saying, man, I, I, we're, we're doing the exact opposite. If I come into church and I hit the right notes and I do the right things and I do this, we're going to stir up heaven. No, heaven's saying, if you'll just walk in the mercy and grace that you already have, it will demonstrate to all of the heavens who you are. You see how actually this thing of striving is the reverse effect on what often we're actually looking for? I want to be a better Christian. Good luck. And so there's this, there is this truth that we are, we are sons and daughters. We are kings and priests. And, and this, this, the enemy is after your, he's after your identity. Identity theft, it, it originated in the garden. And he came back to restore. He came back to restore all that was lost. says, I'm going to shoot a lot of scriptures at you, and I'm, I'm going to try to flip to some of them because I, I should have copy and pasted them. But in Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save that which was lost. Now, this is interesting because I think we look at this only through the context of someone giving their life to the Lord. Now, that's included, but there's a problem if you reduce the word salvation to just a sinner's prayer, which is what we notoriously do. We take a scripture like that, and there's hope for you. The Son of God came to seek that was lost. Yes, he did. That word save is the word sozo, which doesn't mean to just save. It means to also see you healed, made whole, and completely set free. And so we've actually settled with something that was so, <laughs> this is crazy, the bar that I just want to get saved and go to heaven is so low, it's not even in the, most of the scriptures. Find me a scripture where he just talks about wanting to get you to heaven. The scriptures are all filled with passages that say he's trying to get heaven into you. These, the idea that I have to die and go to heaven, you're wasting a life. You're, you're wasting a life when he's, when he's saying, we, you know, we, we, we got to be careful even some of the songs that we sing about it or, you know, you know just hang in there. Or hang tight. You know, you'll, you'll make it. Not really. You'll die. Then you make it. And if you don't do well here, one of these days you'll be dead and you'll be with Jesus. What a terrible sales pitch. 
Like, it's no wonder that many people don't want to be in the church. So they're like, I've seen you. I've seen how miserable you are at home. Do your neighbors look at you and say, now that's hope. <laughs> I'm serious. Do your neighbors look at you and say, now that is a hopeful person. Do they look at you and say, now that's what heaven looks like. I don't ever have to present in a sense. One of the things that is so important, I'm not against presenting. I I am no problem sitting down and presenting the gospel and, and all of that, but my life should present it. People should be around me and say, man, you just, what is, what do you have? What is it? One of the people that we were with this weekend, his name was um, Rick, um, and he is, he is the head of the prayer rooms, the prayer rooms, uh, healing rooms, excuse me, out at Bethel, and um, <laughs> I don't get like drunk in the spirit and laughter a lot. I love when it happens. It's not the me. Um, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> And uh, we were pretty tired going into this event and the time change and all that stuff. It was like a really small window. We flew to Colorado, flew back, and uh, Rick was there, and he's like a really big teddy bear. And uh, every time he hugged me, I just started laughing. You know, he just, he'd hug me, and then he'd start laughing, and then I'd be like, no, not again. <laughs> and then I'd start laughing, and he would just come after me, and he'd wrap those big old arms, he'd say, I was like, oh, no, here we go. Here we go. And it was the first, and, and every time I told somebody, I said, in all, in all literalness, he'll hug the hell out of you. Like, he will hug it right out of you. Just embrace it out of you. And, he's, and, and, and I, people like that inspire me because he's not like, you know what the Lord has to say about this? I, I'm okay with that, but he just says, let me just hug you. And he's like, oh. Every time I was going through a fire tunnel of 100 people, and I felt as soon as somebody's eyes were closed, and I felt the hand hit me. And I go, (laughs) laughter hits me. Why? Because he's just carrying the joy of the Lord. And, And we as believers are called to be people that when we restore identity, that we are joy carriers. We should not be the people with low self esteem. That's just a sign that you don't know what's in you. Oh, man, debating on how much of this I should open a can of worms on. <laughs> Bible, t- <laughs> debating if I should do this or not. Let's do it. Let's talk about the Antichrist. That's fun. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have such a misunderstanding of, of this term Antichrist. Um, for, it's a, it's a, first of all, it's a, the Bible calls it a spirit of Antichrist. It is never referred to as the Antichrist. It's not a person that's going to rise up somewhere. So be free. Be free. But in all reality, it's more dangerous to us because Antichrist, the word anti is against, and obviously Christ. Anything that we are believing right now that is less than what God wants us to be is the spirit of Antichrist. I, I remember I heard a preacher one time sit down in a room full of Randall Worley, sat down in a room full of students on fire for the Lord, and he said, the Antichrist is everywhere in this room. And you just see him go. 
And he said, anything that is against what Christ says about you is anti-Christ. There's a lot of misguided sermons and teachings and things that are flowing around that are teaching us about all of this, but in all reality, that we need to know who we are. And when we entertain thoughts, when we entertain the most dangerous place, I don't believe he's going to raise up and build a temple somewhere, the most dangerous place the, the spirit of the Antichrist is operating is between your two temples. And that spirit tries to put things in your mind and says, this is not who you are. This is not who you are in Jesus. This is not, you're not this. I know they said this. I know they spoke this over you, but that's not who you are. And that is the spirit of Antichrist. But here's the good news. He's not hard to deal with. He's really not. You just have to, just, you got to believe who you are in Christ. You see, the same thing was tried, if you look at, the temptation of Jesus. Remember when Jesus went into the desert and remember when the enemy came to tempt him? It, don't you find it interesting that the enemy didn't come with just, um, the enemy is smart enough not to just shoot randomly. The enemy came to Jesus in the 40 days in the wilderness and tempted him with taking scriptures and taking them out of context. If you read your Bible, it says that this, the scripture would say it is written and then he would tempt Jesus. But how did Jesus respond? Jesus would respond back by saying, no, it is written, and gave him scriptures back properly. What's the point? The enemy has been trying for a really long time to take scripture and to twist it and to get us to make mistakes. One of the greatest areas of uh, influence I think he often has is our interpretations of scripture. He tried it with Jesus. You know he'll try it with you. And I mean, what a lame attempt to try it with Jesus. He is the word. And he's coming to him and saying, here's what the word says. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure that wasn't it. It's written, this is what the word says. And he responded with, this is what the word says. Now, this is important to us because the enemy continually is coming to us and he's trying to speak things that are against what the word of God is over our life, whether it be from the written word or maybe it's a word that someone's given over you and he'll come to you and he'll begin to, you know, try to belittle you. One of the, the treats I had of sitting with this pastor at this event, Don, was that nobody knows who Don is, but everybody knows who Don's raised up. Everybody knows who Todd, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people know who Todd White is, you know, guy, crazy dreads. He was the one that prophesied over him. He said that there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing, but God's going to make you look like a, a sheep in wolves' clothing. But nobody knows who he is. And, how, and, and, and he shared even briefly the, the struggles of just raising up powerful people all around you. And everybody knows them, but no, nobody knows who you are. But the, the stability in the Lord that you come to of knowing, this is who I am in Christ. These things don't impact me. It's knowing who I am in the Lord. And if we could begin to just grab on to this identity that we have in Jesus, this invitation into greatness, it's better than you think. You are better than you know. Amen, John. You are better than you know. That's an amen right there. <laughs> and, and baby, that's an amen. 
Sometimes I think that we need to understand that it's okay for us to operate in the health. Oh, man, I'm going to hit all the weird topics today. Of our imagination. Imagination is not bad for the believer. Well, well, wait a minute. Imagination, you know, casts down all the thoughts that are lifted up against God, and no one can know the heart. The heart is evil. Yes, for the old covenant believer. But that's a scripture that was not in your covenant. If you read the scriptures in your covenant, it says that here's the deal. You now have a new heart. So when you begin to imagine from your heart, and I'm going somewhere with this, when you begin to imagine from your heart now, you are imagining. The scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, it calls it the eyes of your heart. Another way it could be translated is the eyes of your imagination. So what does that mean? When we begin to imagine with God, we are actually opening up the door for him to create. This is powerful because God, how many understand that we always have everything that we run into, we have two options. We can be critical or creative. Every problem, there's two groups of people, critical, creative. Trust me, it's true. But if you're going to be in the group that's creative, there's a process before you create. You don't just sit there and, Lord, take my hands and let them create. You have to begin to imagine first. But if we teach imagination out of people because we want them to make them feel that it's not a healthy thing to do, you need to be careful with that, well, then we've robbed them of creativity. And once you've robbed them of creativity, they no longer look like the creator who's their dad. But I don't want to get crazy. Well, with that mindset, I promise you, you won't. <laughs> God wants you to imagine. He wants you to, to that, that scripture, the context was to know the hope of his glory. Connecting that is, wow, the, the hope of his glory. Let me get this right. I need to begin to have the eyes of my imagination opened if I want to begin to understand the hope of his glory. What would it look like, guys? What would it look like if people that are in your life that don't know the Lord, people that are not in relationship with the Lord, people that really rub you the wrong way? What if you began to imagine them and see them how God sees them? <laughs> I'm going to give you some fun tools. It's, it's, it's a, some practical things you can do. That person you've been praying for for a long time, believe, and Lord, would you just grab their heart? What if you began to just see with the eyes of your heart, see them worshiping the Lord? See them in his presence. You think that's wrong? You think God doesn't want you to see them how he created them? And somehow through the process of us beginning to operate in that imagination, there is a release of the hope of glory. Quiet on me. We have, to, we have to get beyond this orphan spirit. Orphans operate from a mindset of need. They, they, they live in this realm of, of need. And I'll be honest with you, I... I Maybe this would be, maybe I'm not saying this the best way. I'll say it the best I know how. I don't know if the, the gates of hell shake when someone becomes a Christian, but I know they shake when they find out who they are in Christ. 
You can be a believer with a good intentions and doing a lot of damage. But when you begin to realize who you are in Christ, you shake hell. Because all of a sudden, hell begins to realize over your life, I'm losing, or losing their grip. They're starting to understand, oh my goodness, it's starting. Can you imagine, I often imagine if like hell was watching right now our live stream. <laughs> and they're hearing people in the room getting it. And they're sitting there, and I don't, I'm having fun with this, but you know, the demons of, you got to do more. It's like, guys, you're losing them. You're losing them. The demons of unworthy, you're losing them. They're getting it. Hurry, go. Which is why in the middle of a sermon, sometimes you feel a wave hit you. It is, the enemy is not so worried about us saying a prayer as much as he is seeing you make earth look like heaven. He does not want you to find out who you are because what we're getting ready to do, this evangelism class, you'll be shopping at the mall and you'll see hopelessness and that thing within you says, no, 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 no. Hopelessness is not okay in my realm. I was, man, <laughs> there's stories of somebody was uh, flying to the conference and um, they were at an airport and someone was middle of the day drunk, like throwing up in the trash can drunk. And one of the people at the conference went over to them and was standing with his hand on his back and saying, man, God loves you. You are a king. And is like prophesying over this guy. And he comes to, gives his life to the Lord. Why? Because they weren't looking and saying, man, what a loser. They're saying, wow, what an opportunity to bring hope. What an opportunity to bring a reality of that you're called to be a king, man. We, we have to begin to understand this, that we are, we are in the flesh supposed to be revealing what Jesus looks like. He's, he's, you are his representatives. You are, you are, you're not just pointing to him. We are pointing to him. When they look at us, they're obviously going to realize that's not God. But at the same time, they should look at you and see what he looks like. They should look at you and say, what compassion, what joy is on you. I, I, I want you to really just sink your teeth into this because this, people should be getting a revelation of who Christ is by being around you. They should be getting a revelation of who Christ is by being around you. There's so much to him, but they should have already experienced some of it if they've been around you. And so many things are side effects of identity theft. Depression is often a side effect of identity theft. I'm not going to say always, but often. Oppression, hopelessness, worry, fear. They're all rooted. How many understand that, that, that this whole life of a believer is like a, it's like a flower planted in soil? And if the flower is dying, you don't come to the flower and say, hang in there, buddy. You don't come. I, I'm being serious. What do you do? You realize that the flower is nothing more than a representation of what's going on in the soil. 
And if you don't change the soil, nothing will change with the flower. But we have been in, we are ingrained not only with spiritual things, don't get me on the tangent of everywhere else in life, that we don't ever think about the bigger picture than just the, the side effects. That's how we, 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 that's how we have been, uh, let me know, I'm going to get off of that. But we, we have to begin to see that that soil, that soil, what's going on in your soil? If there's something that's showing that that flower is constantly leaning over and it's not looking well, it has nothing to do with that flower. It has everything to do with what is the nutrients that you're locked into. Are you locked into a message that, that I'm not good? Or are you locked into the message of he's done all things and you are in Christ and you are good? That's your soil, guys. That's your soil. That's what creates who you are. I've talked to people until I'm blue in the face trying to convince them, and it's like taking the flower and trying to stand it up, and they walk out of your office and go, Ugh. and they come back the next week, and you stand them up, and they get into worship, and they're like, oh, it feels good, and they walk out, and go, Ugh. and it's this constant up and down until some point they just say, okay, I think something's wrong in the nutrients. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have done this a long time where you stand up and someone picks you up. And listen, there's seasons where sometimes you need that. It's not a bad thing. But there has to be a solution that's more than just let me pick you up. What is the soil of your life? We, if anyone knows uh, around here in North Carolina, we don't have the greatest soil. It's not even really soil. It's like clay. I was, uh, actually, my dad's from Illinois area where it's like, if you spit a seed, you'll have a farm. And uh, it's, it's a true story. Here, you're like doing everything you can. to. You just have to bring in a whole thing of soil and make it work, you know, because there's no hope for much of that soil. But um, there is such a reality that there is, there is uh, the, the nutrients in it is why everyone farms there. And here, we realize that one of two things has to happen. Either you have to do a lot of work to prepare your soil, or two, you just have to bring in better soil and put it in that soil. But it's not, maybe the seed's bad. Maybe it's, the, it's not the plant. I mean, yes, seeds can go bad, but 99% of the time, it's the soil. Let me tell you something. The seed in you is never bad. The seed in you is his seed. It's never bad, but the soil in you will determine where you grow. And some of the things that are toxic to your soil are things like believing, I have to do something to become more like him, when he is saying, behold and become. There are, there are toxicities to your soil, and it doesn't take much. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience, speaking of the first Adam, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obe obedience, the many will be made righteous. <laughs> 
I'm going to just read this for the next 10 minutes is what I'm going to do so you get this one. I want to read that again. This, this scripture is referring to two Adams, the first Adam and the last Adam. And it says this. It says, for as by one man's disobedience, there were many sinners made. So by one man's, Jesus, obedience, there will be many made righteous. I am convinced that most of what we do in church, most of the churches we attend, most of the programs we are a part of are connected to one Adam or the other. It's the Adam of who you are not versus the Adam of who you are. One or the other. And I'd like to challenge you this morning, even if you're visiting the church or you're looking for a new church, or maybe after this sermon, you're going to be looking for a new church. I don't know. Um, (laughs) If you're in the place of looking for a church, the first thing that we usually do is we walk in and we ask about all their programs. What do you have to offer, right? But can I just challenge you the bigger thing over everything is are they connected to the first Adam and their message is about everything wrong? Or are they connected to the last Adam whose message is about all things being made right? Because we identify with one of two. And there is a war constantly of which one we will identify with. And I'd like to challenge you that no matter how impressive a church is, or even it doesn't matter, make sure that they're connecting with the finished work of the cross, which is the last Adam, that empowers you into who you are. We have to, I, I have no problem with excellence, and I'm almost done. I, I, I have no problem with excellence. I'm actually, I'm a big excellence guy. I love things to be done and to be done well, but never at the cost of the things like the presence and the things that matter, like the message. There, there are things that are so easy to adjust. I, this sounds crazy, but you can adjust things. I can make adjustments from the pulpit and immediately double the size of the church if I would just get rid of certain things. You can. But at what cost? But at what cost? Because I much rather see big people than big ministries. I would much rather see big and healthy families than big and healthy churches. I, I big churches. I, I, I want to see health. Uh, Tiffany has been on this pursuit for months now, and she's really been leaning into just learning more and more about the importance of becoming not only physically but spiritually and emotionally healthy people. We want to see that, and that's harder. I told Tiffany, I said, maybe I shouldn't give you the title of it, but I said, I'm going to write a book called Health Hurts. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm going to write a book called Health Hurts. Becoming healthy is one of the most painful things you'll ever do. From going to the gym and first ripping those muscles to having to rip away from relationships that are poisoning you. Or ripping away from doctrines and theologies that have been in you since you were six years old. Becoming healthy hurts. But in the long run, it produces good fruit. And we can become so driven and fearful of the pain up front. Nobody likes to jump back in the gym after it's been a year or two. It hurts. You know it. (laughs) You know it does. Nobody. It's not easy, but health hurts. But here's the thing. There 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 is such freedom on the other side when you begin to learn who you are in Christ. And that is what he's inviting you into is into a place of knowing who you are. 
recognizing that I am with the second Adam. I identify with the one who that when he came, all righteousness was released. That's my portion. I am a king. It's not because I just went to Colorado and stayed in a castle. I am a king. You are a king. You are a queen. That was the whole point of this beautiful royal ball was they wanted to celebrate and honor people and bring a visual awareness to spiritually who they were. Your royalty. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We have to, we have to get this. James 1.8 talks about that a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There is an instability when we begin to operate and identify with two atoms. We become unstable. But when we begin to understand that is not who I was, you are not, you are not just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner who, thank the Lord, touched you with grace. And now you are a king. You are a son. You are a daughter. And don't... If I do something nice for someone, it would really bother me if all they ever did was reflect on what it was like before I did something nice. If I were to write someone a check for a million dollars, which I'd love to do, I would hate to just always hear about who they were before that. I would want them to realize things have changed for my life. And so often, it's almost like we feel like out of a false humility, I have to be stuck in that place. I understand the power of the testimony, which was the transaction that happened. That's where we give thanks to the Lord. But I don't testify to all of the bad. I testify to the good. You ever been to testimony? You remember testimony services? We did those when I was a kid. And you're like, is there a testimony coming somewhere? (laughs) And this, like, it's like, we're going to get there. (laughs) I want to be a walking testimony of the goodness of God. And so I hope you feel some encouragement. I hope you feel some hope. I hope you feel that just this blanket of of goodness over you that the Lord is inviting you into realizing you are good. You are sons and daughters. Doesn't it blow your mind that he chose you? My wife and I always joke around. She'll do something that irritates me. I know. It's hard to believe. But it should be like, well, you chose me. (laughs) Right? She's like, you chose all of me, baby. Isn't it amazing that God knew before he chose you? We didn't, as married couples, right, we didn't know what we were fully choosing. But I chose you. God fully knew what he was choosing, and he still chose you. He looked down the road and saw all the mess and said, I choose you. You think you chose him? You responded to him choosing you. Let's stand up. You doing good? <laughs> I, I know I was kind of shooting from the hip all over the place, but uh, if you go away... <laughs> Just, just remember, he wants your soil strong. He wants your soil filled with just nutrients so that no matter what comes, you're going to be all right. Holy Spirit, we just, 
we welcome you right now to come and to just highlight to us maybe areas that in our life that we have allowed things to poison our soil. Maybe it's been a, a something someone has said over us that we are hanging on to and it's, it's, it's just poisonous. Maybe it's a lie. Maybe it's whatever that might be. Would you just highlight that? And here's the beauty of good soil. You can pull things out pretty easily. <laughs> so right now, just prophetically, we just pull that out of our soul. And I just declare over you that you are a royal people. I felt like the Lord really did want to release joy this morning. So Lord, would your joy just crash over your people this morning? No matter what you feel, no matter what's going on, I just pray. It says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The lie that I'll have joy after I get my breakthrough robs you from the strength you need for your breakthrough. So this idea that when I get there, I'll have joy, it actually will stop you from getting there because it's the joy that gets you there. And so, Lord, would you just release that joy that gives your children strength to walk into any situation, to step into any conversation, to face anything in life that is opposing them and say, I'm a child of God, I'm filled with joy. You're so good. You're so good. <laughs> good choice on songs at the end. <laughs> I felt him hit the change button. Sound, this is what happened when the sound man prophesies. <laughs> Lord, we do just declare and echo that, Lord. We say, come alive. Every area, life. Every area, life. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come on up this morning as we wrap up. So if you would, just come join me, prayer team. Lord, we declare life. Father, I pray for courage. Here's what I feel. I feel for a lot of you that the Lord's speaking to you, and you're really still struggling to just, like, deal with this thing. And I, I want to pray courage over you, and then I want you to come up to these guys at the front, these guys and gals, and they're going to agree with you. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of things that are just, the other thing is if, not to be all in the gardening mode, but, you know, my wife has got me. But um, if there's, there's things that can take away your nutrients, too, that don't need to be in your garden. And so this morning, there are things that I just saw pictures of some of you that's just taking away your nutrients, and it needs to be uprooted and thrown out. And so I pray right now over you the boldness and the courage to face those areas that say that this is not God's best for me, it's not supposed to be present in my life, whether it's hopelessness, whether it's, I oh mean, I feel defeat. God is just ripping out just the, the weeds of defeat, the weeds of defeat. Some of you, it's a job that you, that you feel defeated in. Some of you, it's a relationship that you feel defeated in. Some of you, it's a, 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 um, something within the family, maybe a child that you feel defeated in. And God is saying, let's rip that out. Let's rip that out. So in Jesus' name, would you give your kids the boldness and courage to do that so that they can step into the freedom and fullness of their identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, come up and join people with prayer if you have any needs with this amazing prayer team. Otherwise, bless somebody around you before you go home. And have a great week.
You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.